us pray. Eternal God, our holy and righteous Father, we do thank you right now. We bless you, O oh God, for this very moment that we are in worship with you, Lord. We feel your presence, God. We ask for your anointing that it will come and rest upon your man and your maidservant. That as we come to break the bread of life with this thy waiting congregation, that they will know that they have surely heard from you. God, put us on the decrease while you are on the increase. Hide us behind your old rugged cross that people may not hear or see Keith and I am the, but they will hear and see you through us. Now, oh God, let the words of our mouths, the meditation of our hearts be acceptable unto you, for you are our rock and our redeemer, and we bless you. It's in Jesus' name we pray and say amen. Amen, amen, amen. On uh, this Palm Sunday, we will make another deposit or another installment of our We Can Do Our Things series for you. This time, our sermonic subject is none other than Jesus, Master of Hard Things. We come, we come with this topic because if ever there was a person who faced or who was faced with some of the hardest circumstances imaginable, it was Jesus. And if ever there was a master of them all, like none before him and none after him, it's Jesus. We know, we understand, uh, we are well aware that on Palm Sunday, traditionally, people will celebrate that great triumphant uh, 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 parade where the people praise Jesus and they lay those palm branches down uh, on the ground and at his feet and they shouted out those great words, Hosanna in the highest as he rode through the crowd. Today is typically that day when we will tell the story of Jesus and how he came in not on a big white stallion, uh, uh, not on a great Clydesdale, but he came in riding on a lowly donkey. But this year, this year, we have gone just another way. So this sermon takes us, if you will, further into what we might call or used to call back in the day into the nitty gritty of Jesus' journey to the cross. Uh, Y'all remember when people used to say the nitty gritty. Uh -huh, I know I'm dating myself. But it is, it, it is that time where we want to go deeper into his humanity whereby we can examine one of the hardest situations that he had to master. You see, a, a situation that no one else in history has had to master, amen, somebody. A weight that no one else in history has ever even been expected to carry, amen, somebody. 
You see, since the beginning of time, Pastor Keith, uh, a Jesus story has been read, it's been studied, it's been scrutinized, and it's also been doubted. From the time of his immaculate conception between a teenager named Mary and the Holy Spirit that would overshadow her, from, from the beginning of his public ministry, when his authority was often challenged, Jesus had to master many difficult things. You, you see, can I just teach you for a moment here? The word master can, can be used as a title as well as a descriptor of one who expertly or skillfully navigates a task or situation. And so we submit to you today that Jesus fits both of those categories, both of those definitions, uh, as he was a master and he was able to master. Uh, the term master, we know, has been found regularly in our Bible, especially in the New Testament, uh, to describe our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, it is a word by definition means a guide or a leader. This master, our Lord, our Savior, and our sovereign God, uh, he knew uh, before he came into this world that he would have to master some tremendously hard things in his life on this earth. I think I'm right about that this morning. I think we serve a God who is an all-knowing God. Uh, but, but, but before I go any further, I, I want to put out a word of caution to the church this morning. Uh, uh, before, uh, 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 before I go any deeper into the text, I, I just want to say we have to be careful who we deem as our master. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Because our flesh is often weak uh, and often unaware, uh, we will allow things to become our master and master over us in ways that will lead to destruction. I, I think I'm on to something uh, this morning. Uh, when we allow illicit substances and sexual gratification by any means necessary, somebody hear me, uh, to become our master, it will lead us often into a very empty and dark thing. When we let the love of money make us foolish in our dealings, we will end up broke. I'm just helping somebody. No. When you have a master, when you decide on a master, make sure his name is Jesus, the anointed one. I hope I helped somebody this morning. But Jesus, Jesus, the master... He had to master turning himself into the word made flesh. Uh -huh. He had to use his authority over the word made flesh and master, in, in other words, uh, he, he was to control the circumstances in an upside down world that God, his father, desired to save. Mm, anybody know we still live in an upside down world? As he, as he was the master, he was also a master teacher. 
a superior teacher, a ruler, a victor, a superior professor of word and wit, showing all his providential and provisional prowess as the ultimate master. He became the predominant focus of our faith, our superlative leader. In other words, can I put it like this, that he was the greatest, our, our guru, our maestro, our highest. But most of all, as John 4 and 12 declares, he is the one by whom and through whom we must be saved. Yeah. And the Bible, the Bible teaches us that Palm Sunday marked the beginning of the end of the master's ministry on earth among his chosen people. The end of mastering hard things such as uh, the approaching betrayal, the impending denial, mastering ways to evade those threats uh, of murdering him. You know they plotted to kill him. Mastering ways of being conspired against and mastering time management. What are you talking about, uh, uh, Pastor? I even though our God is never subject to time, but Jesus always worked in the fullness of time, and He was always on time every time. Is there a witness in the house to the timeliness of our God? Oh, I know it often seems like He comes a little too late. I know it seems like sometimes that He's not going to show up just when we need Him, but we know He is on time every time. Am I right about it, Sister Jackie? He's an on-time God. Oh, yes, he is. Oh, yes, he is. And that's just part of the list. Can I give you just a couple more? You see, he had to master a group of sometimes weak spirit disciples who on more than one occasion demonstrated little faith and sometimes no faith at all. And he could master the religious rulers of the day who were always trying to trip him up with his word. Glory to God. You know that took some nerve to trip you up with your word. And, 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 and we can't forget, come on somebody, we can't forget trying to, uh, uh, we, we can't forget him standing up uh, to master that fallen angel named Satan uh, who thought uh, he could win when he met Jesus out in the wilderness uh, after yeah. Jesus had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. But after three times, my Bible says uh, that uh, he tried to get the best of Jesus, but soon the devil found out uh, that he was no match for the master. No match for him. No match for him. That's good news, somebody. Hallelujah. And so and so we come to this part of the sermon where we, we look at Matthew's gospel uh, in, in chapter 26 and verse number 39. And the scripture says, uh, and, and this time I tell, tell it to you in the modern English version where it says, He went farther and falling on his face, he prayed, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. All right, this morning we are calling that the first 
movement. I'm going to stick a pin here just for a minute, and we're going to talk about that. You see, I just want to ask the question of the church this morning. Have you ever been faced with a uh, situation where you were trying to master something that was hard for you? It was just big. It was just huge. It was just uh, uh, way out of your purview. Uh, you just didn't have enough anything to master it. Uh, it was a situation perhaps that maybe it was so big that it just put your back up against the wall. Uh, you, you just couldn't see how you were going to make your way out of it. You see, that is in a, that, that was in a sense how Jesus was in uh, and when, when he was in that garden of Gethsemane. Uh -huh. he, he was in a huge situation, uh, and he needed, he needed to go to his father. Uh -huh. you, 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 see, uh, you, you see here that the idea seems that the devil was trying to kill him before he could get to the cross. Mm. Mm. My God, my God. Uh, you, you, and I, that's, a, that's a word for somebody this morning, that, that the enemy will try to get you before you get to where you're going. The enemy will try to trip you up. He will try to waylay you. He will try to make you think you're crazy before you can get to where God is trying to take you. But I just want you to know that Hebrews 5 and 7 says that God heard his prayer and saved him from death and destruction. That's what our Father will do when we go to him in earnest in prayer. People, I want to know, has God ever done that for you before? Oh, I believe that he has saved some of us uh, from a pit somewhere where we would have been derailed. We would have been truly off the track. Well, the devil, if he had his way, he would have killed you. He would have destroyed you. He would have done all the things that he thought he was big enough and bad enough to do. But I know there's somebody in the church this morning that has a testimony to the goodness of God and said the devil tried all he knew how but God. But God. Oh, but God. Oh, but God. It was hard. Didn't think I'd make it. But God. Oh, yeah. You see, you see, you see, if Satan could have succeeded in killing Christ at any time between the time he was born and his adulthood, uh, he would have defeated God's plan of redemption for us today. That's what happened. But do you all know that he could have tried to throw everything he had at him? As we say, everything in the kitchen sink. But he wasn't going to do it. God was not going to have it. Oh, my God. So Christ, so Christ had to get to the cross, you all. He had to get to the cross uh, to do what it was uh, he, that God had uh, had empowered him to do and to save the people like us. Oh, oh yes, yes, yes. And to show Satan that he did not have power over everything. Oh, my, my, my. You see, but but there there was the mastery of, uh, the, the master of this cup. Uh, you see, this, 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 he had to master the cup. The cup. That, that's the word. That's what the word uh, teaches us. Uh, Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus had a, had this cup that had been handed him. Uh, it was a hard thing that he had uh, been handed, and he prayed. Uh, he prayed that that cup would pass by him. Uh, well, Pastor, I, what 
really, really what I'm telling you is that the cup really was a, a prophetic symbol of the suffering that Jesus knew was awaiting him. How many of you all have ever been in a situation when you, you, you knew in order to get to the good part, you had to go through the... humanity talking. 
of sadness in his life, the cup of death, to save God's children. That cup filled with becoming a beaten spectacle in a public pact with his friends. They loved him on one day and they crucified him less than a week later. Oh, it was a huge, as we call a mug, full of dirt of life, the dust of life, and ultimately ending his life. It was the most difficult thing, the hardest thing that he had to go through. But then what Jesus did, we see it right in the text, is that he had a heart-to-heart, -heart, a talk with his God about what he knew was coming. It's that, it's that time when we can relate. Perhaps something is coming for us that we know is difficult. Maybe you have a, 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 an upcoming appointment with a doctor. Maybe you have an upcoming appointment with a lawyer that you don't know what the outcome is going to be. Uh, maybe you have an unexpected divorce that you never wanted to have. Uh, uh, maybe you got a fractured relationship with a family member that looks like it can never be restored. Maybe, maybe you get unexpected bills in the mail and you look at your bank account and you don't have even close to nowhere near what the folks are asking you for. Whatever it is that you are facing. Ooh, we say have a little talk with our God. You see it in the text? The scripture says that Jesus went further. Oh, he went further. Sometimes we have to step a little further, church. We got to step a little further. We, we have to persevere a little bit longer. We got to stay down a, a little bit longer. We have to endure that cup and take it down the very best that we can. And the word says that after he went farther, he fell on his face. Can you imagine Jesus, the son of man, the son of God, falling on his face in the garden, telling it, but it tells us that what he did was he got himself into a posture. I need somebody to know that there is importance in our posture when we get down on our face and we begin to tell God about it. And in the midst of it, we begin to thank God, not for the trial, but in the trial, knowing that his word has told us that we will be anxious for nothing but with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving may our request made known unto our God and the master the master of all things he prayed about it Pastor Keith he prayed about it in great agony and anguish until the sweat 
he still endured the cross, suffered the shame, and now he is seated at the right hand of God the Father. Bless his name. So I'd like to pick up on Pastor I's going a little farther point. You see, this whole scripture, Sister Kemper, is telling us about what hard things Jesus had to master and go through in the future or in our current state. Chapter 26 then says that they conspired against I know some of you have had those that conspire against you. It said that he would be and feel forsaken. Any of y'all ever felt forsaken? That his disciples, those closer than, than anybody, best buddies forever, they would run away and flee. And all of his friends would fire him. Alan, you know about friends being able to fire him. That even those who he healed would not follow him anymore. That those who walked closest with him wouldn't even wait for him anymore. That, that they wouldn't even watch with him anymore. Pastor, I talked about him praying where he had to go to the garden alone because he couldn't even get his closest buddies to go over there and watch one hour while he was trying to pray. They just left him and went on to sleep like as if nothing was going on. But he wanted them to go and pray with him. But they wouldn't pray. They wouldn't pray. They wouldn't wait. They wouldn't watch. And they would become weaker than they were originally. They wouldn't even work with him. That's something to think about. And so, like you, Jesus felt like giving up. Let me raise my hand for you, because I know you felt like giving up. There were times in your life when it didn't seem to come together. You didn't know which way to turn. You didn't know which way to go, and you had prayed about it, and it felt like prayer wasn't enough. You decided that, Lord, you must not be listening to me. Let me tell you something. I got a friend who loves to say to me, you must not be calling on that Crisco enough for me. Because I ain't feeling no prayers. Now, he's joking. But he said, where's my can of Crisco? Y'all know how they used to bring the big blue can of Crisco out and then heat it up and let that oil get loose. He said, I wasn't, I wasn't getting any oil from you because you ain't had your can of Crisco. But that's how Jesus was feeling. There wasn't a disciple who decided that he needed some Crisco on it. Felt like hanging it up. Felt like giving it up. He felt like falling off the wagon. Amen, somebody. I know what he's talking about. And he wouldn't be able to stand up even after he fell off the wagon. 
But movement two that we're into says that he said, nevertheless, 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 God, not my will, hallelujah, but your will be done. Not about me, it's about you, Father. Your will will be done. So whenever you see the word nevertheless used in a sentence, it's saying, however, in spite of, nevertheless, man, I'm God's child, and I will master this test. Yes, I know it's been rough. Yes, I know it's been tough. Yeah, I know you've been through hell and hard water, but God is still good. God is still on the throne. God still has it in the palm of his hand, so I will praise him. I'll trust him. I will love him. I will believe him, and I will endure nonetheless. Nevertheless, nevertheless, because it is not my will, but God's will. So people of God, can you master hard things now because Jesus lives inside of you? Can you talk to him in the midnight hour when it's hardest to see your way? When you're thinking about things that just don't seem to get off your mind? Have you been able to go and say, but nevertheless, God. Ah, nevertheless, it is all about you. I know what you told me to do. I know how you told me to do it. I know how you said, go forward and keep on going. And I'm praying about it. But nevertheless, it's because of your will that I go forward. Not because of of my will. So I encourage y'all to get you some Crisco. And keep on praying over it. Get you some and smear it in the form of a cross. And talk to God about it. Tell God, I know, I know, I know, I know that this cup is hard to pass. This cup is hard to drink. This cup is hard to move out of the way. But I am praying under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. That this Crisco, whatever it is that we bring to the altar, that you will bless us. You will keep us. You will help us to master hard things.